I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. So it's always a pleasure to introduce every single one of my guests, because that's why they're my guests. I think they're fantastic people who've done amazing things in the world. My next guest actually came to me via a past podcast guest, Tim, who I'll link his show notes below. But I'm just really pleased to welcome Charles McCarrick, Charlie. And Charlie, he's an, that's right. Yeah, we'll call you Charlie if that's okay. Mm. All right. So Charlie McCarrick is an entrepreneur, inventor, and lead visionary or chief comedian and lead scientist of MicroAnt. We'll hear about what that is in a bit. With more than 10 patents to his name, he pioneers and supplies unique equipment to the communications industry. I love an inventor. Charlie's most defining characteristic is enthusiasm, which we'll get a lot of in this in this episode, I'm sure. But he has enthusiasm for new ideas, for the people who work with him, and for continuous improvement. I'm on board with all of those. By cultivating people's confidence and creativity, Charlie has forged a top-notch team that delivers new technology into the hands of customers and value to investors. So good for people, good for the world, good for the economy. It's a really amazing triple threat. So in 2022, he wrote a book, Lessons My Brothers Taught Me, which is a great title. And it's about his own life lessons and how they've transformed him. It's built on the idea that you are your own business, your own brand, which if anybody here is an entrepreneur or has ever been an entrepreneur knows, you are your brand. So hopefully this, this will resonate. One review described Charlie's books as the funniest business book I've ever read which in my estimation is high praise because, you know, life is pretty serious. So why not learn something and have fun as you do it? But the book focuses on the fact that we each conduct transactions every day to ensure our well-being and grow as a person, hopefully. The success of these transactions depends largely on our sellability as individuals and on our sensibility to distinguish between obstacles and opportunities. It's a theme that is definitely not uh, far from front and center in this podcast almost every time. So I love this quote about the book. Many people ask for advice on how to start a business, but rarely how to succeed in business. Charles McCarrick suggests starting with the question, why do you want to go into business? Which is a fantastic question. So Charlie's developed a process called the 4S Transform. Salability, sensibility, sustainability, scalability, which equals success. We'll be talking about that. And the crux of his approach is that the quality of one's character plays a dominant role in the success of any transaction, personal or professional. So that's definitely something we'll spend some time dwelling on because it's about how you deal with risks and opportunities and, and yourself as a person. And it really sounds like it comes from knowing who you are as a person. So welcome, Charlie. It's a delight to have you here. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Betsy. And after that expertly uh, delivered introduction, I'm not sure that I can... Uh, contribute much more. <laughs> it was beautifully <laughs> well, done. We'll just unpick what you are and what you think that led to that really incredible biography, because I've suggested that the focus of this episode be how quality of character determines the quality and impact of your life. And I thought that was just a beautiful thread to start to unpick from 
all of those amazing things that I read about you, that I pulled together about you. So we'll start with the same question I ask everybody, which is what's an uncomfortable moment that shaped who you are and what you do in the world? Yeah, I, uh, I thought about the answer to this question and came up with uh, a different, different scenarios. And generally they involved uh, public speaking, which is something I was never particularly comfortable with, but eventually got over. But now I remember what it is and how it relates to business. And it's the first time I let an employee go. It was really difficult, doubly so, because this was a friend. This is somebody who had been loyal to the company. They had a good work ethic. They were there every day. They seemed to possess all the traits that you would want in a good employee, but they simply weren't delivering. And it, I, I had to make a decision. Say, are we a family? And you don't kick a, a brother or sister out of the family. You know, you, you, you rally together and you, you make things work. Uh, or we, are we a company, which is not really a, a, neither a family or a democracy, but everybody has to pitch in in order to carry their own weight so that it can survive. Uh, and I just had to weigh the greater the good of everyone else in the company. And I made the decision, you know, as, as kindly and compassionately as I possibly could to let this person go. And I know they weren't happy with it, uh, although they, they understood it. I think when they took a, took, uh, took a uh, step back, but that really changed me and my whole perspective in business. And in the end, whenever you question wh what action you need to take, it's the one that benefits the greater good and the company as, as a whole uh, whenever the opportunity arises. So that was very uncomfortable for me, but it was a life-changing moment, life-defining moment for me. And certainly uh, it helped me making uh, good decisions with respect to the company going forward. Mm. I have a former boss who loved to say, sometimes you've got to break some eggs. And it's a bit more of a, I don't know, it's a, it's more punchy way of saying that. But yeah, in, in order to move forward, sometimes you do have to make those hard decisions and break something. So how, how did the, how did the relationship pan out after that? You know, sort of having to let someone you were very close to go, how did it go? Uh, I, we never saw much or of each other after that we mm. dropped a cordial uh christmas card here and there but uh he went on to uh and, and to do something else and uh as far as the relationship went we really didn't see much of each other but i'll tell you it was a boon for business mm. that's interesting though because i'm sure it's probably something you've thought of in the past as maybe a regret that you had to do that but and then even the illustration that, you know, it did sort of break the relationship. It's just a really good reminder that sometimes you can't have it all. You have to make a tough decision and it, it is transformative and pivotal, but it's still hard. <laughs> it didn't all just come back together and you're fishing on weekends or whatever. That, that's right. But it, it's also a, a necessity in being a leader to be able to make difficult decisions like that and to execute them and see them through. And the... Uh, perception of others in the company at that point, it, it went up quite a bit. I, mm. I, my stock went up uh, amongst the, the various team members after I did that. Because they saw you were able to do hard things that were for the, the greater it good. Greater good, yes. Mm. That's actually just a really powerful reminder for anyone who wants to be a leader or be in a leadership position, because you can be one without the other. And yeah, the ability to do hard things, even though, the, you know, they say, 
feel the fear and do it anyway. And actually, I think that can relate to a lot of hard decisions. But yes. I think this this also segues neatly into talking about character. And because your approach to life and having impact and running a business is all about the impact that character has on your success. And obviously, no doubt, not just in business, but in life. So what is character to you? Let's define it for people. Well, this is something that should certainly resonate with you because you are talking uh, mostly about the subject of discomfort, right? And that is when character is developed. Is what I said in the book, I define character as how you respond to times of adversity. In other words, when something is going wrong, particularly if something is going wrong that is entirely out of your control, how you navigate yourself through that, and no matter what the outcome is, but how you perceive what took place is where the characters develop. Mm-hmm. You gain good character when you saw, see the opportunities to use that as a lesson going forward so that, number one, if you get into that situation, then you are able to navigate through it successfully. Or two, maybe avoid the situation altogether because you see it coming. Whereas in, uh, you might get an adverse character from an adverse situation if you said, oh, the world is stacked against me. And rather than rise above it, I'm going to immerse myself in it. And uh, I, I am no better than, uh, than the, the situation put me in. It really is perspective. And, and just the realization that has been such a powerful transformative factor in my life that you really do create your reality. And it all stems from perception. You can be having exactly the same experience as someone else, and they will see it completely differently and therefore will be living a different reality in say adversity than you will if you're just like this is an opportunity cool moment to solve problems whereas somebody else can be like the world is out to get me this just confirms what my mother always told me or whatever and it can just be this kind of just world on their shoulders thing so that kind of leads me to what kind of character does define success in business and a satisfying life besides something like the ability to make hard decisions what what do you define as like those key elements that make someone really able to succeed? Okay. When I ask entrepreneurs to ask themselves, why do I want to go into business? A better question is, what is motivating me? And you have to be able to understand and define what that motivation is. And that motivation typically comes from some trait or character that is within you. Why would you want to go into business? Why would you want to leave what appears to be a safe job, the security of a paycheck and everything that you might need to uh, afford a, you know, a successful life and career? Um, well, maybe you get tossed out of it or maybe some, some, some traumatic happens or something or built into something in your character says that this isn't enough for me. And if you are the type of person to say, this isn't enough for me, and you've made the decision that if not now, soon, I am going to launch my own business or I'm going to strike out on my own. Okay. What character traits do you need above that to go forward? Mm-hmm. And without, you know, without, uh, without doubt, you know, you have to believe in yourself, right? And to believe in yourself, you, that means you are, have a relationship with yourself where you are always honest. You have integrity. You are a known quantity. You know how to apply your best strengths, and you know what your weaknesses are, and you try to avoid those, and if, if possible, you try to eliminate those. You want to make 
the best of yourself that you possibly can. This is character, and this is not character based on self-preservation. This is character based on providing value, value to others. So I think uh, if you are a person who is of that mindset where you perceive what is valuable and you realize that the valuable things in life are mostly attributable to character and not things that are measured in dollars and cents, you're already way ahead of the game. That yeah. and being able to be a bit of a risk taker, but understanding what the risk is yeah. that you're taking. Yeah. And, and, and again, be, and being a free thinker. These, are, I think, are important character traits. It sounds also like at the basis of a lot of that, the why is knowing what your values are. And a lot of the work I do is with leaders and trying to say, okay, what, is, what are your driving values? Um, and I've done a lot of work in behavior change. And in order to do that, to motivate people to do something like have better environmental behaviors, be more aware of other people in society, you have to understand what their values are. But what I've found in sort of interrogating that and understanding sort of stakeholder engagement, quote unquote, as a career, a lot of people don't know what their own values are, actually. And it's. Oh, that that yeah. is absolutely right. Yes, that's true. It, it uh, there was it, it, the reason I wrote the book was. Uh, I wanted to understand better how it is that we managed to succeed with all these things that took place. Uh, and it wasn't a book when I started. It was more of a, a journal that became a, a manuscript and then a theme formed. And I said, you know, at the bottom of all this is good character. And the discovery of character traits does not happen. And I, at the inception of beginning your business or launching your career or anything else, this is going to be a journey of discovery. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and I knew that I wanted to uh, have my own business, and I knew that I understood my field of expertise very well, but I did not know that I had any leadership qualities. I didn't know that I was any kind of a salesperson or that I could convince others <clears throat> excuse me, to do business with me. I didn't. Those traits came out as a natural course of me uh, building you know, the evolution of my business, and as I discovered these, I realized... Every time when I took a left, instead of taking a right, made all the difference in the world. It was my character and it was my experiences then uh, in past life, not in business, but in growing up, that was a guide to me to, to make these things. We all know what's right from wrong. We all know if this is the person that we want to be transacting with and dealing with. You usually decide pretty quick right on if you like that person or not. And if you do, whether you would be interested in spending more time with them, getting to know them better, and the other way around. These things happen innately. There's no formula or guidebook or what have you. These are just things based on your perception of experiences that you see in this other person. Say, that complements me and what I'm doing. And for you to know that that person's traits are complementing yours, you have to know what yours are too, right? It's also an interesting endorsement of the idea that if you cultivate character, if you cultivate character you like, you will attract those people who want that character and who probably have similar characters. So if you run a run a business, well, if you want to be around people with integrity, people with similar values, cultivate those things in yourself, which actually is a great way to run a business because people have probably heard this before. People hire people they like. People want to be around people they like. People want to be around people they feel are like them usually. So yeah, just cultivating who you really want to be probably will draw the right clients, investors, et cetera. And it also just makes your life easier because things are in alignment, right? You're not always 
firefighting with someone who has completely competing values with you. So then I'm also interested in the concept of your book. For, for listeners, talk about what have your brothers taught you? Why did you decide to title your book that? And how did it start? Well, as I faced uh, all these various say, situations uh, in business, I realized as difficult as they might have been, I faced many similar situations, my brothers, and talk mostly my older brothers. I had three older than me and one younger. And I call them lessons now, but at the, at the time, you know, you, I, I didn't think of them as lessons. And certainly my brothers weren't interested so much in educating me as they were in entertaining, you know, themselves. Uh, but, <laughs> I'm but a middle child. I get what you're saying. <laughs> But, but the common theme in all this is there was a situation was taking place where something had gone wrong before I even realized it, and I was caught up in it. And so any opportunity for me to have changed the situation I was in was already passed due. However, I could navigate in, under the best possible circumstances that I could muster up through the situation and try to come out whole, as I did at younger. Uh, I mean. For instance, maybe you know my brothers would put me into a situation where I had absolutely everything was stacked against me and was meant for me to come <laughs> out behind and to lose. Uh, those things actually happen in business. Uh, that's not going to be yeah. a surprise to anyone. You have many people out there who want who practice the so-called zero-sum game. Yeah, game where they gain exactly what you lose, so the sum of all that is zero. In other words, you don't have mutual uh, a mutual gain in that transaction. Boy, you need to avoid avoid those people. You need to avoid them in a hurry. And, and as you were saying about cultivating a good culture, you want to have like-minded people. Mm. Well, you you build a business and you build a company. And I say the difference between a business and a company is a business are the operations and the things that move the technology and the product forward. But a company is the life force, the culture that exists in the business that makes this this uh, entity that actually has its own set of character traits. Mm -hmm. And as you said, not only do you want to attract people, you know, that uh, are like-minded, share the same values of you as your employees, but you want to do it as, in, as your partners and customers and vendors and suppliers as well. You want to be working as much as possible, as difficult as it can be uh, with like-minded people. And growing up with my brothers, we were not like my like minded in terms of uh, you know of of the situations that we might have been put in. But certainly, I was going I was going to be put in them anyway, as you know, with, as as a rite of passage. And that was happening. I mean, that was just plain happening. <laughs> Fourth out of five boys, I can imagine. Ah, oh, that's quite a. That's very Lord of the Flies in my imagination. <laughs> it's a bit. Well, it's, it's like law of the jungle. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. I can imagine that was quite a school. So then, I I'm also interested in in actually knowing how you became an inventor because what you do is quite interesting. If you want to talk about microant, go ahead. Or if you just rather talk about your ten patents and how you became a, a person with ten patents while also being very balanced and having a sense of humor. <laughs> You're not just engineering brain and that's it. So, Well, first of all, quite frankly, the, the patents mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> I, you know, the, the first patent seemed pretty cool, you know, but after that, the reason it, it, it's nothing, because typically you don't want to patent anything that is truly a trade secret or intellectual property because you're just teaching others how to do it. 
the only reason we patent things or I've patent, uh, patented things is because uh, I needed to demonstrate that certain trade secrets, uh, we had a process in place. So, uh, so I, I don't want to undermine people who, who collect and do patents. That's good. But uh, I wouldn't use that as a metric to my success. I think the key to my success is the ability to view mathematics in three-dimensional uh, images. I have uh, I took a lot of physics and mathematics in, in getting my uh, engineering degree, and something had clicked in me where I didn't need to go through the the equations and do all the optimizations and run algorithms. For some reason, out of the equations for me, I could instantly visualize the physical rendering of what was required. For instance, a customer could come to me with a, a set of specifications. I look at it, oh yeah, this is the type of antenna you want. This is how it formed. And uh, you know, they, they said, oh my God, that's unbelievable. You're a genius, number one. I'm not a genius. I just have this, you know, uh, this one ability to be able to do that. And I would say that I'm more of an artist than a scientist, meaning that I work less in the equations and in the, the directly in the principles as I do in the actual, say, the clay, you know, the metal, the plastic, the materials of the final design. Mm. That explains how your brain's put together. Also, the ability to imagine mathematics in 3D. I'm really jealous. That sounds quite creative, though. So very left brain, right brain working together. Huh. So then actually, you obviously like a process. You like to come up with a process and you've come up with your 4S transform approach to strategy. So talk us through that and how it actually, I guess, has been applied by others, has been applied by you. Just sort of bring it to life if you can. Okay. It, what you say about process is, is, really, is really important and, and accurate. I'm all about trying to get process down because if you have process down, then anybody who's capable can fill a role in the process and it doesn't rely on a particular person. Now, how could I possibly describe to others the process for designing antennas? It's not easy. I say, well, look at the equations and see the and you'll see the solution. They say, are you out of your mind? So instead, you know, we de we've developed the process and so we're able to bring on engineers and follow through. Um, in, in reviewing the manuscript of the book, I realized that a theme had formed that every issue that we had gone into and gotten out of was due to character. Maybe bad character got us into it, and good character got us out. And of those character traits, I realized that they came down to four different distinct categories, which I called the four S's. Uh, and two of the S's are more uh, germane to human attributes, and the other two are more towards the business slash culture slash company attributes. And you cannot have one without the other. Meaning that if you want a good reputation with integrity of a company that you know uh, never gives up and uh, serves its purpose and always satisfies its customers, you need the people behind that who have those attributes that will get you there. Um, but uh, briefly, the, the, the four S's are uh, sellability, sensibility, sustainability, 
and scalability. I don't think I'm going to spend too much time sustainability because you are an expert at that. <laughs> you could teach me far more about sustainability than we can I can talk do about that later. Spelling Charlie. the word, about <laughs> yeah. spelling the word, and so uh, I will do less focus on that because it. I would be trying to uh, you know preach to the choir. I think. <laughs> well, then, because I'm interested in how. I love that this is so commercially applied because often discussions about character don't tend to be directly landed in the business world in this, the ability to succeed a business. And I, I actually, this is why I'm fascinated by your work and, and this conversation, because it, the link is often really hard to make for people because I work in sustainability. I know that people think there's business success over here on this one hand, and then there's that whole fluffy sustainability piece over there on the other hand. But part of sustainability to me is about character and how you treat other people and how you create cultures that allow people to be human at work while having processes. So how, yeah, I'd be interested in hearing how you've seen or how you personally have applied this, this piece, this character to scalability and saleability and all of that. Yeah. Cause I, I think that link is probably still a bit fuzzy for some people because the two things have been so siloed for so long. In the way yes. our economy runs, the way we do yes. business, it's like characters over here. It's like this nice to have, keep it at home, or if you can bring it into work, as long as it makes you good at business, do it. But, you know, sort of profit first and foremost has driven so much of our work culture and our bottom line and our KPIs. So, yeah, I think keep talking about that, please, about how have people managed, maybe in the cultures you've created or maybe readers of the book who fed back to you, to link those two in a really beautiful and sort of inseparable way character and being successful at business mm. you know you know i didn't uh, have defined ahead of time i learned these uh, much after the fact uh, say a couple of years ago but have been able to not only apply them myself but in uh, talking with other uh, who either just launched or beginning to launch their business as uh, as i described them to them it uh, it uh, I, I could see the results and i knew that i was onto something and if I was to say to you, okay, one of the characters, you have to be honest, you say, well, duh, you know, but I mean, really, how does that, uh, how does that translate into a successful career, you know, into a, a successful business? And if I don't know if I am able to articulate as clearly as I see it in my mind, but it is something that I believe in and I am passionate about. And I think the best way to go to do is to go through the, the four S's real quickly and, and give you a maybe a, a a word or two about what they mean. For instance, salability is a is a personal trait, a character trait, where uh, others see value in you. It is something that you emote. They see that you are, of course, you have the capability to execute the uh, uh, the, the transaction that they are about to engage you not only from a technical perspective, also from a character perspective. They know that you're not going to quit. They know that you're going to meet expectations. They know that you're going to be honest and upfront and above board. And they, what you, what you deliver will have all the quality that they uh, have expected and that you have agreed to. So it means having, having an innate value so others want to transact with you. It's you know, mm. the integrity type of thing, be the honesty. Mm. Uh, and it's these things that are easy to recognize in yourself, but some others, not, some not so easy to recognize in yourself. The other one is a sensibility. Now, as is the opposite of a vote, these are the things that are taking in. This is situational awareness. This is knowing 
what uh, what is going on in the industry, what market space you're going in, the partnerships that you need to uh, develop uh, with with suppliers or customers, uh, you know, or, or whatever the case may be that is going to benefit your business uh, by uh, situational awareness. That not only means that you are going to find a product or a service that you can sell based on value as opposed as opposed to uh, to a profit then uh, you are already ahead of the game mm. because you have recognized that there is a particular market space where you can deliver something special, something unique, something that sets you apart. And I think that's really critical to be a successful business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, with, uh, with sustainability, I'm not going to get too deep in it, but what I see it is the kinetic energy, right, mm. that keeps the company aspect of it going. Now you have these uh, these two human character traits now building into a business, and a company becomes a company when, and, and people argue this when you have more than one person involved. Because I don't believe you can have a sustainable business very well with one individual. Because what if you quit? Right? <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. And I'm talking about the type of business that is building, you know, equity. Right? Is uh, creating income, but most important, it's creating jobs. It's participating in the greater good of the economy, meaning it's providing jobs and people with, a, you know, a, uh, uh, you know, earning and, 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 you know, their own well-being that comes from simply being employed at something valuable. Uh, and there are things that sustain a business and that the things that sustain a person, as I said about motivation, if you are a person who does not quit, even in the face of, you know, when logic, money and all resources disappear, Sustainability is the kinetic energy that keeps you in the business going when all other energy sources fail, right? Everybody says, oh my gosh, the business is right up or this person has, you know, you know, has stolen our intellectual property, property, but it keeps you going when every other rationale tells you mm. to do something otherwise. So that is, uh, this is, that bridges the gap between human state sustainability and corporate sustainability. The last is scalability. And that means to scale, to scale an operation. And they say, well, is that uh, synonymous with growth? I say, no. Growth is a metric that uh, others might confuse with things like revenue, size of the operation, number of employees, the amount of output of the product. Certainly, those are the residual effects of growth, uh, but they are uh, not true scalability. By scalability, I mean that the original product that you develop and produce, when you increase the production numbers of that product or service, there is no dilution in the quality. I mean, maybe there's an economy of scale, but the customer is getting exactly what they expected. And again, you say, duh, but listen, uh, you know, coffee chains are wonderful. It, they serve a wonderful <laughs> purpose, and nobody's going to listen to me if I say go to this coffee shop or go to that coffee shop. But I cannot go to some of the coffee shops that, not shops, chains that I used to. I can't go there because the word dilute is never more true than in their product. I'm not just talking about in the coffee itself, which now tastes bitter to me and burnt, yeah. but in the service. I'm looking at the back of the barista who isn't even a barista that could, could be the first thing about the machine or the roasting or, or, or any, the whole experience 
is gone. And we know Ooh. that a transaction is more than handing over, right, the product in exchange for the price, because then you're in that product, right? There's a piece of you, the love and, and compassion that went into it, and the pride that's part of that product, you know, is, uh, you know, is all there. And that's what I mean by something being scalable. The quality continues to permeate in that product. And for that to happen, that means you have a culture of quality-minded people who are practicing quality metrics. And once you have that, you have a team, right? You have a solid team. And I think those four elements, the so-called four S's, are essential to the fifth S, which is success. Yeah. I really, really, I'm, I'm still chewing on that definition of scalability because the way you unpacked it made me really think, oh, there's so much overlap with, well, your whole thing about character, but then also the work that goes on in having a clear purpose in your business that people can sign up to because that's what keeps that scalability intact, that character that defines your company and your brand. You know, some people call it, you know, brand aspects or just what defines your brand. And if you don't have a clear definition of that, you're unscalable. Because I think, I mean, so many of us associate scalability with just growth and numbers and growth in profit or growth in, you know, blah, shop fronts or whatever, as you said. But I really, I like that definition of scalability because it really does drive people straight back to character and why, you know, why are you doing this? Who are you? And I suppose, you know, I, look at, well, in my world, everybody talks about Patagonia all the time as a sort of amazing brand to look at in terms of sustainability and scalability and, you know, their, their, their character as a company comes from their founders, um, Jean Chouinel. Wait, what's his first name? Anyway, I've just got that wrong, but I can't remember his actual name, but it's sort of people sign up to Patagonia for that reason. People buy Patagonia stuff for that reason. People keep buying Patagonia stuff for that reason. They talk about the company because they're signed up to the values. So it's a good example of all of those things in action, actually. And I just thought of that, like, ah, that's what this looks like in the real world. But you've unpicked it and distilled it in such an easy way. Like everybody can remember four S's that equal success. It's a really handy shorthand for what character can mean in all aspects of a business, I think. Ah, thank you. Yeah, and you know, your example of Patagonia is perfect because the four s's as i say they work in reverse you know the character of uh of the people behind the business was going to lead to a product uh that has uh, integrity and good reputation yeah as opposed to good you know the integrity and good reputation could be traced back to the people behind who uh who who invented the product you know and is managing the culture culture in the business and you know it's it, it's clear and easy to see as the Conversely, there are certain companies that uh, you may deal with, uh, uh, maybe banks or whatever, you know, and I hate to throw them under the bus, but they throw me under the bus. Oh, they're sometimes. so easy to <laughs> throw under the bus. <laughs> yeah, go right ahead. You can, you can imagine yeah. accountants in the back room, look, it's the single and only metric is money, right? <laughs> yeah. A plus sign or a minus sign. Balance. That is what yeah. it's all about. You know, That's it. But this person is going to lose their house. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. You know, but, you know, it's a bad loan, you know, it's a salute yeah. and goodbye. Yeah, it's black or white. Ah, is anybody yeah. thinking Patagonia? Yves Chouinel. I just remembered this is going to drive people crazy. Yes. Yves Chouinel. Yeah, yes. you're right. Because it is it is easier in some roles in some companies. But also, I think anybody in any job, my philosophy and the one I espouse and teach is that anyone can be a leader. And so many people are just like, nope, I just go and I do this one thing and I leave my values out of it and I leave kind of my humanity out of it. But if people are actually 
taking their character to work very consciously, they might make very different decisions and therefore very different systems, even if they are in a huge bank and they think they can't make a difference. Yeah, they can. Everybody has a story about that one loan officer who said yes, and then they went on to invent something or you know, have, you know, after bankruptcy, they started their second business that was the raging success. And, you know, like that person could have said no based on like numbers and just black and white. And, but they brought their character, they brought their humanity with them. My grandfather was a banker for many, many years and, mm. and in my hometown. And so people knew him and there were so many stories of people who were like, your grandfather approved my loan that helped me do this. And, you know, just knowing that, he was a man of character and he took that to work and people respected him for it. And then they respected his bank for it. And then he actually had a legacy of people who'd been able to do things in the world because he was a real human being and he was a, a man of great character. So I'm just thinking about how this actually, yeah, I love this. This really makes me think about so many people I've admired and they all fit quite neatly into that framework that you've put because it's, it's quite broad, but it really focuses on character and i yeah i'm getting this more and more charlie i love it and boy you just summed it up when you said legacy because mm. this is what will lead to a legacy that people will remember well beyond that person and uh and their deeds because you tend to remember those people that affect and change your life those that provided value in some way to humanity at large and as you, you were pointing out, there's some people who just want to go in you know, and hit the clock and go home. Well, the world needs those people, too. And there's those, you know, they are still providing a, a value, you know. But those who just a driven, a need to provide a value, something more, and to do the absolute utmost that they can, there is probably no greater mission to be on, right, than to provide a value to the world at large. And knowing that you might be able to contribute in some small way to that. And that, that's, that's what drives me, um, you know always feel that I want to do something that's a value that, uh, and you're, you're right about the legacy. <clears throat> and that's something that uh, it doesn't happen by itself, but you hope that it happens. But if you, you know, if you seal the ship, right, that, it, that will be left in your way. Mm, yeah. I just love the concept of legacy. And it just is so interwoven with sustainability in the way that we both talk about it slightly differently, but same thing. Cause I like that you talk about social sustainability, as I call it, you know, that it's about culture and society as well as you know how you do things as yourself and it all just fits together and i love i love getting it from the lens of somebody who isn't in my little bubble because i think that's so <laughs> valuable it adds to my perspective like okay cool we think the same thing but you have a way of seeing it and talking about it very differently that it adds to my ability to to talk about it also hopefully to somebody listening to this who's tired of hearing me drone on about sustainability because <laughs> i you know i'm in it i've been doing it for so long i do, i, I kind of have my perspective and it's just really refreshing to get a little dose of somebody else's so then because we're trying this thing where it's called talking for less than an hour because i'm aware that's a lot shorter <laughs> podcast it's unfortunate though because every conversation i just keep going but let's just start to tie it up and, and say what if someone's listening to this and thinking, all right, I want to start my own business. And maybe I'm not clear on my values or, or they're just chewing on what you said and thinking, okay, what do I do with this next? Charlie, drive it home. What piece of advice would you give to them? If somebody's asking the question themselves, uh, or even coming up with the idea that they want to go in the business, some decision has been made internally. Something is driving that. You need to pull that out and say, what is motivating me in that direction? And then be able to expand upon that. 
those things are going to be built into your character. Those are going to come from your experiences. If you can pull forward the experiences or whatever it is that's driving you to that, before you know it, you step back and say, oh my gosh, I've already begun the framework of getting my business going. So understanding what is motivating you is critical, not only because it will help you take the leap, but it is, as I said, the kinetic energy that's going to sustain you for a long time when rhyme, reason, and otherwise uh, might, uh, might conflict with that. But, you know, this never has to be done in isolation. You're surrounded by family, friends, colleagues, professionals, and it's easy to network with others. Just talk to them. It's free. You would give advice for free. I'd take advice, you know, and, uh, and, and gladly. And add to your, um, and to add to your, your, your knowledge base. And I was hoping I could ask you one question before we tie up. And I, this is my segue into this. Uh, I look at all the podcasts that you do and the enormous amount of variety in subject matter. And I've listened to you talk also just yourself giving a podcast without a guest. And I'm thinking you have an enormous reservoir of information. How do you catalog? How do you compartmentalize it? How do you use that and assimilate it and be able to use it? I mean, is it, please don't tell me it's stored simply in your brain and in your podcast, but okay, go ahead. Well, I think it comes down to actually understanding my learning style because for years and years, I've had to do a great deal of research in various roles. I've actually worked as a researcher. And what I discovered, you know, I did a master's degree is that I don't retain information best by just reading it. I retain information best by talking to people. So, and that's just come from sort of understanding my learning style. So initially I'll read about the thing I'm going to talk to the person about. And I approach people because they're fascinating people, not necessarily because of what they do, <laughs> but then I learn about what they do. And I've also discovered one of the great ways to get people I admire to talk to me is to ask them if they'll let me listen to them, talk about things they care about. So yeah, I do, I do re-listen to episodes and I get something new every time out of it because this is my learning curve. You know, it's like putting myself through a PhD and fascinating people. Um, but yeah, I think <laughs> some people need to take excessive notes or they need to read things, but I, I get stuff from talking to people. So actually, I think I probably do retain a lot, but you know, not even remotely 70% probably. But because it's it's talking to people, it's listening to people. And also, I love you keep using the term kinetic energy. It's just so engineering, but also so juicy <laughs> because it does create like this. Now we have a connection, like we have an energetic connection. And that's right. I feel like I can just sort of think of you and probably get some information just from remembering you. And there are all these ways that because I, I work a lot with like neuroscience and mindfulness and memory and habit setting and all that stuff. So. I think part of it's also just having done this for years. I'm really good at retaining information <laughs> because it's my job. But yeah, that's the best question ever, Charlie. Thank you for asking. No problem. Yeah. And you were on that the top of that list of fascinating people. This has been a fascinating conversation, the likes of which I've never had before. I really appreciate oh. it. Oh my gosh, that's the best compliment ever, but thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Like you are oh, truly welcome. fascinating. And I wish you all the luck you need, you need or don't need with getting your book out there because it's something that I think people would really benefit from. It's simple and pithy and nicely put and humorous. So we'll put the link in the show notes. I would encourage you to buy Charlie's book, chew through it, let him know what you think, let me know what you think, because it's just 
seemingly easy, but building character never is. So good luck out there. It's everyone who is actually consciously building character, learning to surf rough seas because it will, it will make you better at business. It will also make you better at lots of things. Life is pretty rough, especially these days with all the changes going on out there. So stay uncomfortable. Keep seeing it as a character building opportunity and yeah, keep in touch. So thank you again, Charlie, for your time. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Betsy. Pleasure all mine. Thanks for getting uncomfortable with me. If you enjoyed this episode, follow and like The Discomfort Practice wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave me a five-star and written review and share this with other people. Help me to reach new audiences with this idea that consciously practicing discomfort helps us to individually and collectively discover our superpowers and create a society and a planet where everyone can thrive. Thank you so much to my guests all season. Go back and listen to a few more episodes to hear more of them. They are wonderful humans doing amazing things in the world. Thanks to my team who helped me produce this podcast and for those who inspire me through their writing, their conversation, and their support. So that's all from me for now. Follow me on Instagram at the Betsy Reed if you want to get to know me a bit better, some of my thoughts. And in the meantime, stay uncomfortable. <laughs>